Welcome to Color Him Dads with hosts Marvin and Jeanette Charles. Marvin, Jeanette, and their guests are here to provide tools to struggling fathers that will help them navigate systems and overcome challenges they face attempting to enter or re-enter the lives of their children and families. They're here to inform, encourage, and bring hope as they confront the epidemic of fatherlessness head-on. Now, here are Marvin and Jeanette. Welcome again to another Color Me Dads podcast. We're glad to be back to our listening audience. Glad to be back again. I have the pleasure today of co-hosting with one of our hosts. My name is Larry Brooks, and I'll be co-hosting with our host, Jeanette Charles. Good to see you. Hi, Larry. Glad you're with us. And we're excited today. We have the very special guest and honorary, our brother, a friend of dads. For over a decade and plus, um, my 20, friend, I like 20 years, two decades, man. Two, two decades, decades I stand right. corrected. All right. <laughs> my friend, my brother, um, and, and like I say, a friend to dads, uh, Jeff Kipp, former NFL quarterback and author of Facing the Blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, we're glad to be in his company, a graduate of Dartmouth Education MMB, uh, MBA, and he's rightly respected around this country. Jeff, how you doing? Good, Larry. It's good to be with you again. We were together, uh, what, back in December at the Fatherhood Summit? Absolutely. And I, I just want to say thank you. The treatment and how you looked after me and my wife was just awesome. One of the most outstanding moments is when you walked in in the time of prayer and worship service and you kneeled beside me and prayed with mm-hmm. me. I still talk about mm-hmm. that moment. I was sharing that with Marvin this morning. So I really appreciate you opening your arms and and treating us like family. Um, thank you again for that. I think there's a message in that, that when when two guys like Marvin and I have a friendship that's real and open and trusted and committed, and it's got some years behind it, and then he tells me I'm sending a special man, um, one, of my, my, one of my key friends, one of my key lieutenants, I want you to roll out the red carpet. Yeah, he uh, did it. Automatically, I'm going to be friends with you Absolutely. because of Marvin at yeah. our level. Uh, now, we also have the Jesus thing in common, that you're a son of the same father that I am. So in that sense, we're brothers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we also have this cool bond because you're passionate to help other men. You were just already telling me about a young man is starting to click. He's getting back in touch with his kids. Uh, he's getting engaged. And uh, that makes you happier than, you know, making a million bucks. Absolutely. Maybe you wouldn't mind getting a million bucks, but anyway, uh, I know it makes you happy. (laughs) Absolutely. I share quite often after having close to two decades of pastoral shiva, part as a senior pastor, uh, uh, youth pastor, associate pastor, et cetera, I get more uh, satisfaction of of service in doing what we do here at uh, Divine Alternatives for Dad Services actually being able to be a mentor and being able to serve these young men on a daily basis. So I'm going to open it up to questions. I know Jeanette and you were having a prior dialogue before we started recording. We're just picking up there and you were talking about some of his fatherhood. You guys are fantastic. This is huge for me being a woman, co-founder of dads, um, just listening to the camaraderie of men coming together, just sharing the goodness first of their heavenly father that they join together, they walk together in. But secondly, the fatherhood components that I personally have witnessed from both of you. Um, Jeff, from afar, but yet really up close and personal when needed. And Larry, watching you, how you work with your grandbabies at this moment you know this is just and work with other fathers the 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 stories i see and hear are just so fascinating they just warm my heart Mm. because the father is so important to the household and as i was asking you jeff earlier i would love to hear from you um more in depth what your fatherhood experience has been from when you were in the NFL, how that was for you to father your sons. Your, you do have a daughter, right? 
Yes. No, I got four daughters by acquisition. So okay. Yeah, okay. four and boys and now they, they had to marry girls for us to have any daughters. There you go. There you go. Well, now you're a daddy for a second time in your adulthood, in their adulthood. Um, yeah. But I and we have six, we have six granddaughters now, Jeanette. So the, the, the girls are outpacing the boys in the granddaughter stage. All right. Come on, Grandpa. Awesome. There we go. That's your third leg of fatherhood then. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear more of uh, how that journey has been for you. Um, tell us about your father and son experience. Um, but yeah, just okay. go ahead. Give us the good stuff. Well, uh, every story happens within the context of a bigger story. Mm -hmm. And the biggest story is that I'm not Jeff Kemp football player or ministry guy or men's speaker. Um, I'm Jeff Kemp, son of a heavenly father who's perfect mm -hmm. and who adopted me because of Jesus mm -hmm. and smiles on me and uh, is proud of me even in my negative moments because he gives me credit for everything Jesus did. <laughs> He's already wiped out everything bad I'm going to do in the past or the future been forgiven but it's a journey to get that identity you know it's a journey to get that clarity and that confidence and our dad plays a big role at helping get us get some of that but he can't do the whole thing mm -hmm. you know we we know that gosh you know maybe seven out of ten guys or women don't really have an emotional bond with their dad and probably four four and a half are born without their dad mm -hmm. right I had a great dad. He was an NFL quarterback. He was a U.S. congressman. He was a great leader. But that stuff didn't matter. Who he was, was a fabulous, fabulous encourager. Who was your my dad? dad? Hugged my dad, kissed. Uh, it didn't matter if we won or lost, whether I was third string or first string. And I was usually third string in high school, a little undersized, late blooming. But my dad um, always encouraged us. He said, "You're Kemp. Be a leader. You're Kemp. Be a leader. I believe in you." Uh, you're in your right place. God has a plan. Uh, think like a starter. You're going to get your chance. Uh, you're a leader, Jeff. You're a leader. You're a Kemp. Be a leader. Um, he said the same thing to my sisters. And that encouragement is what gave me the vision to persevere through school, mm -hmm. through years on the bench. Shoot, I was a I, I played football 20 years. I was only the starter one time going into the season in my whole career. Wow. I stuck with it because my dad gave me this vision. I'm going to make it. Yeah. There's power in a dad's encouragement. The only challenge to it was, and my dad believed in God, but it was more of a macro belief, more so than a, a grace relationship dominated personal relationship. Mm -hmm. My mom had that. Mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't help encouraging performance and leadership so much that it kind of allowed me to put pressure on myself that life is all about performing and achieving and success. Mm -hmm. And eventually I kind of thought, geez, I know I'm going to succeed, but I'm not there yet. So I'm not happy with who I am today. So I'm always kind of idolizing the future version of Jeff. And that's where some of my insecurities came about. Mm. But, um, I'm not blaming my dad for that. No, no. All of us are insecure. Yeah. I'm just saying, even if you have a super encouraging dad and he encourages you that you can perform, performance isn't the nature of life. Relationships. So can, can I ask you a question in that thought process, yeah. in that comment? So do you think his his parenting style hindered you helped you or did a little bit of both oh it helped me dominantly i'd say it's like 65 percent help and maybe 35 percent or 70 percent help and 30 percent um hindered me it hindered me not directly or intentionally right. it was just the fact that he didn't paint the whole picture that my identity isn't as a leader and a quarterback and a future success my identity is simply as a child of god okay, okay that's so good. A, a dad's most important job um, is to let a son or a daughter know that the heavenly father made them mm -hmm. he doesn't make junk mm -hmm. he loves and values them he gave his son jesus for them mm -hmm. and that if they would get their identity from him then they'll be secure the rest of life in high school whether they can go to college or don't go to college, whether they blow their knee out and can't play sports or they're getting fired or they're a superstar. Their identity isn't performance. It's not popularity. It's not money. It's not achievement. It's relationship with your heavenly father. So putting, uh, putting that into kind of breaking that down a little bit. Yep. So if one is not as 
connected to the heavenly father and the earthly father they're not connected to either what would you suggest or how could you give this person a ray of hope in just that part they're still not knowing who their yeah. heavenly father is but yet they never had a a bio, i mean a physical present father so how do they know what's good and what's not good yeah i'd remind them you're not the only one who's missing a dad mm. this happened all through civilization mm. and the good news is you have a perfect heavenly father who likes to turn tough stories mm -hmm. into great stories mm -hmm. and maybe you have an even bigger yearning to have that vacuum that void that hole inside you filled mm. i would just encourage that guy god wants you to use that void that desire that need for affirmation that need for hey you have what it takes son i believe in you uh you know you're gonna make it i'm proud of you um that can be gained mm -hmm. not through performance mm -hmm. Not through popularity, not through women or the billfold or the ball field or the bedroom or your brand. Those are the four false measures of manhood today. Yeah. But through being adopted by Heavenly Father. So I would just say to a dude, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you don't know anything about God, you don't know much about church, and you see a few hypocrites who you kind of think, ah, I don't want to be like them, give God a break and give yourself a break. Mm. Do not label God. Mm -hmm. Do not label Jesus. Do not la label Heavenly Father by the false impressions humans have given of him or religion has. Mm -hmm. And go on your own search. Find a guy like Larry and say, dude, mm -hmm. I don't really know much about God. I don't even know much about where I came from and where I'm going and who I am. Would you help me figure out if he's real or not? And I would say to a young man, if you say, God, prove to me that you're real. Show me that you're my real dad. Mm. That's good. God's going to go to work because when you offer him that type of honesty, mm -hmm. he responds. You can even tell him, I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm angry. Where was my dad? Mm -hmm. well, you know, I've, I've been dealt a raw deal. You know, it's funny that no teachers, that. no coaches, my dad, no uncles. I've been given a raw deal. I'm mad. What's wrong, God? Why'd you do this to me? Mm. Well, you know, and Jeff, then it's say funny, this, say God. You say that because. Um, I had a false narrative, right? And because of some turbulent moments in my um, fatherhood experience with my dad, um, I, it seemed like he was always angry with me or mm. disappointed. And so when I came into this faith walk and, and whenever you said, Father, I struggled with that, right? Because I would think that God was mad at me or God was disappointed with me. And, and to your point of actually seeking him and searching him and finding a personal relationship with him, that's when I gained the knowledge that God is a loving and a kind God, right? And so I thank you for bringing attention to that. Larry, you just said, you just said narrative. There's an impression you have of God and there's an impression you have of you. Mm -hmm. And the two most important things in life that determine how your life goes is your view of God. Mm -hmm. In your view of yourself. Absolutely. And this is common to have a, an inaccurate view of God. Because if your dad was distant or missing, that's going to be your vision of God. If, if your dad was angry like yours, right? you may think, yeah, he's God that saves and can take people to heaven, but he's always frowning at me. And he's about to smack me. Right. <laughs> it's hard to develop an intimacy. And if you don't de develop an intimacy, then you don't experience his love mm -hmm. and his power and his guidance. And then you're not really experiencing the life that he wants and you keep kind of failing and falling short and then you feel guilty. So you hide it and then you feel shame. Yeah. Uh, and then you isolate from some guys and then you get stuck with some obsession or addiction or fall into some other behavior. Um, so let me just say this. If, if you're really not sure, ask God the question, what do you really like? Uh -huh. Show me the type of dad you are, get the false narratives out of my head and help me start from scratch and give you a fair shake God, because so you you deserve a fair shake yourself and you won't find out who you really are till you find out who he really is right so here here's the here's a scenario i want you to to speak from the folks that are maybe listening right now again they may not know god and yes to search him out would be the ideal avenue 
share with us as you were raising your sons, how did you live into what you're saying right now? Not so much the verbal conversation about it, but how did you live into that so that then your kids and maybe their kids or community could see that this this is a different kind of person. Mm And the light that's shining in you is directly connected to your father in heaven, but it's not a verbalized conversation to them. So how would you create that? That's a good question. You're like, hey, give me the shoe leather. Give me some real life. Come on, Jeff. First of all, I took the good that my dad did, which was much, Mm -hmm. and I did the same. I hugged my kids, Mm -hmm. kissed my kids. Mm -hmm. I wrestled with them a lot more. Boys love physical. Uh, mm-hmm. Girls like hugs. Yeah. Girls like to be touched. And then, uh, you know, if I had a daughter, I would keep hugging her when she's 13 and 14 and 15 and not pull away just because she's developing breasts and she's becoming a woman. Um, obviously, there's discretion and give her her privacy mm-hmm. and tell her she's a beautiful woman in the right way so that she learns what a, a real man does and how he sees her for her inner beauty, her character, not just the outside. But I played with him. I was the funnest dad you could be. I was home as soon as I could be from work. We vacationed together. I threw the ball in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I, I went. I put him to bed. I said prayers with him. Mm-hmm. I joked around. I wrote him funny, dumb poems for their birthdays nice. and things like that. Uh, I didn't make for sports about always winning. Mm-hmm. I made it about having fun and giving your best and being a great teammate. There you go. It helped me. I got my sports fix playing pro football. I really didn't need to prove myself on the little league field. I just wanted to build into the kids. Uh, so I did the things my dad did. I, I said, you have a great future. I'm proud of you. You have what it takes. Uh, you're in your right place. Um, you know, God has a plan for your life. Um, I took my kids to church which maybe a guy wouldn't do that. But here's the other stuff I did that maybe my dad didn't. I apologized to them. All right. Okay. All right. That's I messed up. I apologize. And I've gotten better at that the older I've gotten. And in fact, with with grown sons, you're not fathering them anymore. You're their friend. And you don't give them any advice and they ask, unless they ask for it because unsolicited advice is criticism. Yeah. So I've learned to apologize for all my stupid unsolicited advice uh, that I've pushed on them over the years. Cause I'm always mentoring, you know, not, not in a mean way, but it doesn't save them room to be their own man. And that kind of starts at age 15, 16, 17, a young, uh, you know, boy turning into man. He wants to distance from dad a little bit. He didn't want to be told what to do all the time. He, he didn't want to be, you know, uh, bossed around or coach. You need to give him some slack, let him try things, fail a little bit under your roof. Mm-hmm. when it's not as dangerous as crashing a car or getting a girl pregnant. Right. Um, and then you come alongside and kind of mentor him if he wants that mentoring. But I've apologized to my sons. Mm-hmm. I've asked, them, what can I pray for? If they don't want me to pray out loud with them, yeah. I just ask them what they want me to pray for. They tell me, and I put that in my life. They know I care for them. So there's a, there, as Larry and I and and the team around here at Dad's, as we work with different men um, to get them back in position to even receive their children. Um, Our goal is to reconnect fathers to their children. Malachi 4 and 6, stay turning the hearts of the father and the children's hearts to their, did I say that right? Turning the hearts of a father to their children and in turn the children's hearts to their father. So we want to live that out basically. Um, the scripture is on our wall, but it's not what we preach at them. We just show them by action. And what I just heard you say is that that's what you do with your children. You play with them. You hug them. You love them. You show the love of Christ to them by the way you carry yourself. And I believe that the example coming from a strong, dedicated, committed father in the house or even out of the house, if those are the behavioral traits that they exhibit, their children, if given the opportunity, will definitely benefit from seeing what a strong, gentle, kind, uh, um, responsible, dedicated, and committed father 
could be speaking on behalf of our little girls with daddies. And I'm, I'm speaking of myself now. Our little girl's first date or first male role model is usually their father's if they're in the house, if they're around. From that, what they learn about a how they should be treated by a man, what to look for in a man, usually starts from within. Yes. They look and end up, and I have to say this is my testimony, my story, You, they usually look for a man that is identical to their father. And if the father has, I'm going to go both sides, has good traits or bad traits, that's usually where the daughters find themselves in relationship with men of those same characteristics. You had sons. Your sons watched how you treated your wife, how you loved her, how you protected her, how you provided for her, how you were patient with her. And I know sometimes us women, we can get a little bit yeah, too hot. And it's like too hot to handle, but you didn't run. You stayed, you gave her space. You, 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 you baby daughter, you loved on her. And that is something I'm almost absolutely sure your sons have picked up from you. Even while you went off and went to work and maybe mommy had to carry the load for a lot of the hours in a day. When you got there, you did your part to show them mommy is not in this by herself. And that's, I think, for our generation of children now, they need to really be assured that mommy is here as well as daddy is here, even if they're in separate homes. That needs to be available to them. What do you think? I agree. We did a press conference in D.C. one time on fatherhood, and I invited Mike Singletary, uh, a linebacker for the Bears that used to smash guys like me that were quarterbacks. He's in the Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, he's an amazing husband and dad. Mm-hmm. And I asked Mike, uh, why don't you get up and say a word about how important fatherhood is? Mm-hmm. Like he says, the single most important thing I can do to show my son or daughter that I love them and to make them secure is to love their mom. Yes, right. Wow. That's right. And then he sat, and then he sat down. He stopped right there. That's right. Wow. Now, I want to give hope to some of these guys who aren't married to the mom or they're not getting along with the mom. Um, Their background has some failure and things they're not pleased with. Mm. Okay. Uh, They don't have a perfect track record. Larry doesn't. And so either does Jeff. (laughs) I am not disqualified because of my mistakes. I'm disqualified if I do not apologize. There it is. I am disqualified if I am not honest. I want to give guys great hope. In football, a blitz is a dangerous moment, a crisis where they're coming at you with a lot of stuff and either something bad or something good's about to happen. If you seize the opportunity, mm-hmm. you humble yourself, change the plan, take a hit in the jaw and get the ball to the wide receiver on a change slant route or a go route because there's no free safety. When well, What do I do with that, Jeff? I don't know a thing about football. What do I do uh, with that? Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> If, if you have just messed up and lost your temper, mm. that's an opportunity to apologize and model humility. Mm. As soon as you model humility, humility, you gave your kid the most important character trait possible because we can't find God without humility. We can't heal our marriage without humility. We can't fix this black-white junk without humility. Right. They're black, white, you know, Hispanic, Asian, Republican, Democrat, uh, LBGT, non-LBGT. Uh, mm-hmm. humility is the only thing that builds a bridge. And Jesus is the one who modeled perfect humility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in your family, there's going to be a lot of frustration because there's a lot of little mistakes and there's errors of your past. If a man is honest about his past and this doesn't need, you don't need to go through the nth degree of how you've been uh, unfaithful or the, the bad mistakes or, you know, the substances you ran after when you should have been running after a job. Mm-hmm. But when you admit that I got off track, I chose wrong things. I hung out with the wrong people. I made some mistakes. I, I, I didn't stick with our marriage like I should have. I didn't appreciate the best things. Um, but I, I look back on that and I realize that I'm not the same man anymore. And I'd make a different decision today. As soon as you're that honest, 
you have one incredible credibility with your child. Well, the honesty is one thing, but following up with your actions are totally different. They, 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 I'd like to say they're one and the same, but we have to be very, very clear and honest in this facet. Our heart, our mouth might mean to say yes, but our actions continue to show another story. This is something that we drive on with our, our fathers that we work with here. It's one thing for you to show up and say you want to do something. It's another thing for you to keep showing up and doing something. Yep. So you my, can say my, I'm done, but if you're you not, you'll like this quote. My football coach for the Seahawks, Chuck Knox, used to say, what you do speaks so loud. Yes, it does. I need to hear what you say. That's right. I'd rather so see. You just said to me, be careful. If you say something honest, if you say something humble, if you say you're learning a lesson and you want to be different, you need to follow through. That's well, right. here's a great help to men. You do not need to do it yourself. <laughs> you do not need to perform this perfection in the future by yourself. By yourself. But you've got to have a team. Mm -hmm. yep. And Larry and I would tell you, find a guy like Larry, find a guy like me, and we will help guide you to God because he is the ultimate team member that can help you do miracles. Okay. Mm -hmm. He can make you humble, help you apologize. He can get you forgiveness. He can get you off drugs. Yeah. He can turn around terrible situations. He turned your life around, Jeanette. He turned yes, Marvin's he life around. There's yeah. four and a half thousand dads whose lives have been turned around because you and Marvin got humble yeah. and let God become the source of energy. But here's the other teammate that a lot of men don't use. Friendship. Mm -hmm. Develop one or two honest, mm -hmm. deep, safe friends. Mm -hmm. And you got to figure out if they're safe or not by being honest with them and saying, do you want to be confidential? Do you want to support each other? Um, you admit something, they might admit it to you. If, if he's not a safe guy and you can tell, you look for someone else. Mm -hmm. Look for someone fairly mature, someone's pretty honest. And when you develop that type of safe friendship, then you start committing to spend time with them and talk honestly and say, dude, I'd like someone to support me and I'll support you. Will you much like, that's think? much like what dad's does is creates that safe space. I call it friendship. Yes. Level five men, friendship. Men can come together, share their stories. There's no judgment in here because everyone has fallen down and we're just looking for a way to get up. And they do that on a weekly basis. I think that is the most powerful tool a man could grab a hold of is having that safe space, that safe person that they can be vulnerable with. The, the other person is just as vulnerable. Transparency, I believe, breaks all yokes. Um, if you can tell the truth, this is my favorite saying, you tell the truth, you shame the devil. And the devil wants to keep you quiet. He wants to keep you running, hiding, not owning up to your own stuff. But when you start telling on yourself and telling some of that junk that he's been keeping, having you keep a secret, it no longer has the power to cause you to go to the left and stay over there. It makes you, the conviction of Christ will cause you to come over, tell the truth, leave what you used to do alone and straighten up and walk walk, walk a narrow narrow pathway. That is the goal I, wanted, I would love to see. And I'm getting passionate here. I'd love to see that opportunity avail for every father that has not had the opportunity to love on their children like they want to, hasn't had the opportunity to know how to get started on that journey, tell the truth about where you are and the rest of the stuff I've watched it will open up, doors will open, your children will come a running, your situation will get better. It just, I don't know, it's the, it's the magnificence of, of Christ. What you say, Larry? I, it's huge. It's huge. Jeff, I have two things. I want to stay on this football analogy. Uh, one, I want to talk about the handoff. Right. Passing on legacy and leadership and love, which was one of your speeches. And then also, I want you to talk a little bit about the men's huddle and what you're doing in that. So, again, the handoff, passing on legacy of leadership and love. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think uh, our sons and daughters need to have their love tank filled up, just like your car won't run without its gas tank full. Mm hmm. A dad's job is to fill the love tank of his kids. Um, another part of a dad's job is to point them to their true identity. 
you're not just what you do. You're not just your grades. You're not just how you look, whether you're popular or not. You were created by God Almighty. You're a valuable human being. There's some talent, some character, some things inside of you, and and you have what it takes. I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not performing that way yet, mm-hmm. uh, I, I trust you're going to have a good life, and I, and you're a good you're a good young man. Um, you're building their identity as a relational person, not a transactional person, and it's based on love. And that's why telling them about the Heavenly Father is really the most important thing a dad can do. Yeah. All right, so you're giving them identity. But you also have to give them um, kind of the blueprints for life. Like, hey, guess what? Uh, you're wired for uh, friendship and you're wired for a sexual connection with a woman. If you're talking to a young man or to a young lady, you're wired for love. You want to have some man choose you. And you'd like to have the romance that goes with it. And, and you'd like to have a relationship that was mutual and supportive. And when sex happens and there's some fun joy and a baby happens, mommy and daddy are together and married, and they can raise that child together. Hmm. Well, if you want that, which is a beautiful thing, then there's a pathway to get there. And that pathway is basically saying yes to the best and no to second or third or fourth best, which has a whole lot of counterfeits. If a dad doesn't talk about, hey, here's some of the lessons I've learned, some of the mistakes I've made, some of the good things I've done in relationships, uh, here's the most important relationship in the world, marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than a person's relationship with God, marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and doesn't show a young man how to treat a woman mm-hmm. and or doesn't show a young lady what to look for in a man right. and how to carry herself so that she is not treated as a body to mm-hmm. use, mm-hmm. but as a person to honor and get to know and 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 bless and encourage. Um, so you got to give your kids the blueprints for marriage, for friendship, because that's more important than dating to start with. For how do you treat a girl on a date? What, what do you look for from a guy on a date? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to get married, you tell them, hey, we, we get a driver's license after going to a class. And if we want to write software, we have to go to a class to learn how to write software. Marriage is more important than those. Let's go over there, Pastor Brooke. Let's go to Pastor Larry and have him teach us about marriage with his wife. Let's let's ask a marriage mentor couple to teach us about marriage. Let's go to the church and say, do you have something? If you can't find it at that church, you go to another church. Because do you want do you want a C minus marriage that might not make it, or do you want an A plus marriage? That's mm. good. Mm. Tell us so more about the men's huddle group. That's the vision and legacy. Um, well, men are made for teamwork. But this world is isolating us because we're all comparing and we feel insecure. Um, and and guys have like a thousand friends on Facebook. What they really need is two friends mm-hmm. live in the same zip code. Yeah. And I've got a couple like that in my zip code. And I have a few other by Zoom who moved out of town. But I talk to them every single week by Zoom so that we can process what's going on in our lives. Accountability partners sounds like. Well, it's more than accountability. Accountability is helping each other stay true to your commitments. Sometimes people ask questions like, hey, how'd it go this week? Did you treat your wife well? Did you hold your temper? Uh, did you stay away from you know the alcohol that was a tr- trouble? Um, are you staying away from porn and screen time on junk that's going to take you down and make you not be a good husband? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit dry. I'm not against that. But friendship at the deepest level wants the best for one another and it's honest and Jeanette the best friendships for men are self-disclosing where if Larry and I were together having our time this week uh I would say Larry I got to talk about something important mm-hmm. uh this hasn't been a good week for me with my attention and my focus uh and what I've watched on TV and what I looked at on computers my you know I'm making this up right now but mm-hmm. it's not uncommon my wife's gone I'm staying up too late I'm mm-hmm. looking at some images I shouldn't Right. Uh, would you pray for me? Mm-hmm. As soon as I tell him that, which I, I'm a little worried that he's going to think I'm a schmuck, he looks at me and goes, man, Jeff's honest. Right. And Larry says, thanks, Jeff. All of a sudden, I'm stronger. Yep. And then Larry confesses something to me that he's wrestling with or struggling with, and then he's stronger. That is accountability, Jeanette, but it's in the context of true friendship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it level five. Look at this little chart right here. Let's see if we can get it in focus. Right there. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. these are shallow friendships. Everything's shallow till 
till about right here, right? Mm-hmm. The, the normal friendship only talks about the usual stuff. Uh, you know, what's going on with the football Certain team, stuff. basketball team, the playoffs, sports, business. Um, but at level four, that's a friend you'll call at 2 a.m. Yep. in a crisis. Yep. But a level five friend is deep. Look how deep that is. Mm-hmm. That's a friend who you're in touch with every week. He knows your secrets. You know his. He's got your back. You've got his. He's not fixing you. He's safe. Yeah. But guess what? You're stronger and healed because you're processing your life with another guy. You become more self-aware, a better husband, a better dad, more ethical. It improves your relationship with God. You you don't fall in the ditch and stay in the ditch for three weeks straight with porn or some affair or drinking too much or whatever your particular you know uh, vice or trap is. Right. So level five friendship is vulnerable. It's honest. It self discloses. It's consistent. But above all, it's got to be safe. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's got to be humble and real. And it really looks makes sense to ask God guide me to a good friend. Help me find out if this guy wants this level of relationship. And then just start going deeper by saying, what's the most important thing going on in your life? How would someone, if they were interested in becoming a part of that HODO group, what information do you have that we could share with them today to be a part of that? I'm going to send information. I'll send two one sheet tips on how to build better friendship this week and this month to you guys. And you can give it to them through dads. And then I'm not talking about them joining a group. Mm-hmm. The huddle is their huddle. It's the, basically the, the commitment to connect with their friends. So they can go to my website, uh, jeffkempteam.com, mm-hmm. jeffkempteam.com. And I have the same one uh, with the name Men Huddle, menhuddle.com. Not men's huddle, but menhuddle.com. And when you go there, it's going to pop up an offer to receive a free playbook for men's friendship it looks like this and you just you just press the button put in your email and uh it'll be sent to you as a a pdf download uh you can have it on your phone your computer or print it but it'll it'll be something you can share with another guy to say hey let's build a friendship like this that goes deeper so question I'm, i'm asking you to be a little personal here about your your sons and Aren't you about to be, well, you are grandfather. Yep. Would you say six times? Nine. We have three grandsons uh, and six granddaughters. They're all six years old or under. And we just had twins in Seattle wow. uh, about seven or eight weeks ago. So what is that like, second half, being a father, grandfather? Man, there's the joke that... Uh, Grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joy. (laughs) It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing joy. There's not quite the same pace and pressure. And you almost like savor it like a good steak. Mm -hmm. You don't realize when you're raising your kids, how cherished they are. And and those little things that make you tired or they make a mess or they don't do what you ask them to do on time. Or they argue in the back seat. You let the little, frustrations get your attention instead of, man, God gave me a brand new human being that I get to love and shape and encourage. I'm going to teach him how to hit a baseball. Oh, he's not very good at that. I'm going to get him a paintbrush. Oh, he's not very good at that. I'm going to give him a trumpet. Whoa, he's good at that. Find, Find what she's good at. Parent your kids according to them and their interests. And grandparents are way more likely to do that. We're not going to force our kid to try to become a basketball star when he's, you know, going to be five foot three, uh, but a dad may be dumb and want to prove himself by making his kid into some NBA star. You know, and- that's powerful. You said that. That's, that's kind of what I wanted to, to hear is as you move into grandparenting, I, I kind of wish that the grandparenting style could be implemented in the initial parenting style. <laughs> Because it looks like things happen a lot more organically. They're not so, you know, frustrating. Um, and of course, having the knowledge of what you didn't do then that you should do now would be so much help. So, are, so are you a grandmother? I am. I just I have five grandchildren now. I just had a had a six month old and a, a 
two-year-old. So do you see uh, yeah, the same just, similarities in what I'm Jeff is saying I as do. well? I do. I am way more patient. Um, yeah, I've just, I, I enjoy the time with my babies now. I look at it. But, of course, I have slowed down. You know, when I was raising my my about four kids in the house, I was moving all the time. I was building a business. I was learning how to live clean and sober. I was trying to adjust to these four different little personalities. And I was all over the place. But yet, I wanted to make sure that they knew I was going to be there no matter what. And their father as well. So they... They got to see what that's like. And as children grow up, they do what they have learned from the inside out, you know, and then they pick up the extra on the outside. But they Larry, are you a grandpa? Comes, I'm a grandfather. I am a, a grandfather. Grandpa. I'm a grandfather of 10, proudly. Ooh. Yes. And I, I am. Hey, Jeff, as we get ready to come to a close, uh, one of your things that stand out in the book, Facing the Blitz, um, you talk about turning trials uh, into triumph. Can you share with us in our listening audience, and especially mm-hmm. those who we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, that because most fathers who come in here are in a desperate situation. I share with some folks that uh, yeah. um, it's to an extreme, right? Um, we hear them possibly talking about killing themselves or killing somebody. Right. And it's to that. And so before we could begin to talk about doing paperwork or anything, we have to be in ministry mode to talk them off the ledge. Right. Can you speak to um, something that you were faced, a trial that you had to face? Right. That turned into triumph that in the analogy of a blitz in your life that would bring our listening audience and some of the men who we see on a day-to-day basis that would give them hope. Yeah. Um, so I never had security in pro football. I was always on the bubble. Had to get my job back every year. I got to start for the Rams, start for the Niners, throw to Jerry Rice, throw to Steve Largent, uh, start some games for the Seahawks, uh, started some games and won some games for the Eagles. But I got cut twice, once in the middle of the season mm-hmm. by the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh I had a great last year in 91, signed a big contract and thought my career was revived for year 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was the last guy cut. I didn't make one cent on that big contract. I came home to Seattle and I was praying that I'd get a new team to call me and sign me up as a backup. Mm -hmm. And uh, four weeks went by, no one signed me. And then Dave Craig got hurt on the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I called the coach. I was sure this was going to answer my prayer. And I said, coach, I'm in town. I'm in shape. I'm ready left him a message. He left me a message. Sorry about you getting let go from the Eagles. We're going to sign someone else, Jeff. Good luck. Click. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got a lot of faith at this point. I give speeches on God is my identity. God is my security. You know, football is not my security. Guess what? That was being tested. Some of it wasn't so strong. I went out my front door, slammed the door, sat down on my front step of my nice four-bedroom suburban home. Jeanette and Marvin have been in our home before. We have a big old yard to play with boys in the backyard. I'm blessed. I have, you know, electricity, running water. I live in America. I'm in the top, you know, few people of opportunity in this world. And I'm whining mm-hmm. that I can't get one more year of pro football. So you know what I said? I said, God, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to sit here and feel this stinking pain because I'm getting kicked out of the league in a way that I don't like mm-hmm. after I kind of worked hard and mm-hmm. served for a long time. This isn't fair. Well, my wife came out as a teammate mm-hmm. in the blitz mm-hmm. in my career. It's not, you know, I lost my dad to cancer, mm-hmm. ran a nonprofit like Jeanette and Marvin, and, and mm-hmm. I had to let go of that, which I founded because uh, of the financial cr- crash. That was a tough thing. Mm-hmm. I've been through a few other challenges, but this was the worst ever losing my career at 32 years old. Wow. She said, Jeff, we've been through some tough things, but God's always had a plan. He's always been there. Something good will come of this. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know that. I just can't believe it's finishing like this. Mm. And then I was so frustrated. I said, I just want to finish with some dignity, like finish my career. And all of a sudden, Stacy realized that, you know, to be my teammate, she needed to give me a little uh, tougher love than the soft stuff. So she brought in the truth and she said, well, Jeff, as I recall, when Jesus left this world, wow, he didn't get any dignity. 
Mm. Maybe, maybe you need to let go of that desire. Ooh. And wow. Mr. Uh, Mr. Husband, marriage speaker, dude, turned to her and said, <laughs> maybe you need to go inside. <laughs> and, you know, my, my wise, my wise, strong wife went inside. She didn't get in an argument with me. She knew I was in, I was in hurting mode yeah. and I was operating out of my feelings. And uh, she went inside. But that blitz, Larry, in just a few 30 seconds, turned around because I started thinking about Jesus, mm-hmm. who deserved all glory and credit to be the conquering king. And that's what they thought he'd be on Palm Sunday. By Thursday and Friday, they yell and crucify him. Right. And then they falsely accuse him, falsely convict him. They beat him up. They mock him. They scourge him near death, hang him on a cross. And all of his guys desert him. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. His his father in heaven puts all the sin of all of humanity on him Mm -hmm. to punish it once and for all. That was the worst of it all. And then he's buried for three days. He looks like the worst failure ever. The biggest blitz in history. And guess what? Mm. He did it on purpose because he loved us. And it was the only way to get us adopted back into Abba Daddy's family, Father God's family. And then when I realized that, I thought, what an idiot. I'm whining about getting another year of football. I didn't deserve any. And he's already given me eternal life, forgiveness, this great wife, except for what she just said. My (laughs) nice family. And right then I heard, forget what lies behind. Press on to what lies ahead. Those words, they're from the Bible. They just popped into my head. And you know what it did, Larry? Hmm. Turned my blitz of whining over losing my career into an opportunity to say, you know what? I got 11 years as a quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that platform, Uh including getting cut and traded. Uh And yes, playing some good games, which guys are excited about football. They think it's a big deal that I play. But you know what? I'm not going to tell them about my greatness. I'm going to tell them about my weakness and about Jesus and about teamwork and Eugene Robinson and Reggie White and Mm -hmm. Steve Largent and Paul Scanzi and my brothers in Christ. And the guys that discipled me. And all of a sudden, I was set free. And I immediately made the decision to jump into stronger families and do the ministry for marriages and fatherhood and men that God's called me to for the last three decades because I went through a blitz. Right. So I would just tell men, see your biggest problems and blitzes as opportunities. Mm -hmm. Get a team around you. Like my wife was part of my team and my my. Christian brothers on my football teams. And today my huddle friends, my level five friends are my team. Mm -hmm. And then here's three strategies. Number one, take a long-term view, not this weekend, not this month, long-term, like one, two, 10 years. How about eternity? Mm -hmm. That's real long-term, like Joseph. Number two, get humble and be willing to change what you're doing. Try doing something different that God gives you instead of what you've been doing all along that's gotten you in trouble. Number three, don't focus on yourself as a victim. Mm -hmm. When you're hurting, focus on blessing others. Come on now. That's it. If you got cancer, go encourage everyone else on the cancer ward. Yeah. If your wife is keeping the kids from you, go encourage some dad Mm -hmm. who is trying to connect with his kids. And he'll be blown away that you can get your emotions off of you for a half second That's right. to encourage him. That's right. And guess what? It'll not only encourage him, it helps you start recovering when you are other-centered and investing in others instead of being a small-minded little consumer who's living in the victim mentality that America trains us to live in. Blitzes are meant to overcome mm-hmm. with a long-term view, a willingness to change. That's humility. Yeah. And the humility to bless others instead of focusing on yourself. That's good, Jeff. Oh, that's so wow, good. Thank you. Jeff. So good. I think you have um, spoken to our two true thing, color him dads, mm-hmm. the portrait that you painted and coloring him dad in such a uh, dynamic way today. We thank you for your time and spending this time with us. We look forward to seeing you again soon. And, um, Any last words from you, Jeanette? Yeah, Jeff, as always, it's a pleasure to hear from you, to have you pray with us, for us, and us pray for you and Stacy and the work that you have trailblazed. You know, I I recall the the marriage ministry, you know, coming to some of those events and 
and better understanding how to be a good wife and having my husband receive some nuggets from those sessions on how to be a good husband. And here we are today, 25 years later, still marching along here doing this thing. So thank you for the seeds you have sown into us personally, spiritually. Um, you're amazing. You're amazing. Hey, God is the amazing one. And Jeanette, you and Marvin individually and as a married couple have turned around one of the biggest blitzes I know into the greatest blessing possible wow. for the amazing array of people that have been benefited by dads, including Larry, who gets to serve there because the dude is changing lives, which is bringing him great joy. But what if you guys hadn't turned your blitz into mentoring others Amen. Amen. and then dads? So I want to pray for, for all the listeners please. right now and for dads. Is that okay to wrap this yes, up? Absolutely. Please, please. Um, and don't don't forget to come to my website and get that 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 men huddle we'll as a right resource there. for friendship, guys. I want I want men being together. I want them be strong and mm -hmm. and, and join teamwork. Father God, uh, some of us know God, some of us know Him only a little bit, some of us don't know Him yet, and all of that's okay because you're inviting all of us to come closer to you. So help us ask you the question of who are you and how can we know you better? What kind of dad are you? Um, and can you rewrite the narrative? for mm -hmm. me. Please rewrite the narrative for these men. Put a good mentor, a good friend, two good friends in their lives. Uh, help them never walk alone. Uh, give them their identity as beloved sons or daughters of Jesus Christ and Father God. Um, and help them walk with their brothers and sisters and turn their past blitzes and their mm -hmm. present mistakes into humility, honesty, and change behavior because they team up with uh, a team of friends at dad's or a couple close friends um, to become strong and humble men of God who depend on your strength, not their own. Help them know God confidence is way better than self-confidence. Oh, yes. Bless them. Put some good marriages together. Protect the kids in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you, All right. Jeff. That brings thank us you. to a close. We'd like to say thank you to our listening audience for tuning in again to another episode of Color Him Dads. And we want to encourage our audience today to go out and pick up the book Facing the Biff by Jeff Kemp. It's a great read, great principles in there that you can make applicable to your blitzes in your life that you mm -hmm. face mm -hmm. on a daily day basis. Again, Jeff, we look forward to seeing you again and thank you again uh, for sharing this time with us. Until we see each other again to our listening audience we look forward to talking to you soon stay blessed god bless thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of color him dads we hope today's episode has helped with your own struggles be sure to check back next week for another new episode with marvin and jeanette until then have a blessed week <laughs>